Welcome to the next where we talk about pop culture until we can't stand it anymore and we next it. I'm Justin Hartung. And I'm Fanny Darling. So as a quick warning, there might be spoilers for anything we talk about on this podcast, but we'll do our best to let you know that they are coming. This week, we're talking about new pop culture, including thoughts on Mrs. America, Devs, Fiona Apple's new album, and a whole ton of other stuff. All right. As always, we want to uh, plea to rate and review us. Please do that. We really appreciate it. And as Fanny always likes to say, what else you got to do? Um, except count your date until uh, state reopening, which hopefully will be in accordance with your sensible governors and not our mad president. Um, <laughs> what did you do in pop culture this week? <laughs> Sorry. Speaking of Nick's worthy content, so I got up yesterday morning, I think, and said, oh, sure, I'll let this play on Netflix. I had intended to go watch some One Day at a Time, is what I had intended to do. But instead, I said, what's this? And I pressed play on Too Hot to Handle. (laughs) My son came down 45 minutes later and said, Mom, what are you watching? And I said, well, it's this show a reality show on Netflix and and it's about putting really hot people who don't like commitments and like casual sex on an island and then finding them if they kiss or fuck. <laughs> and he said, turn it off. And I said, oh, I'm going to in a minute. And then he sat down next to me on the couch and eight hours later, we watched it all. That's a lot of time. <laughs> Now, I started watching it at 6 o'clock in the morning, just to be fair. (laughs) Okay, that's weird in a different way, but fair. Well, I couldn't sleep because I don't, I sleep weird now. I don't, I don't sleep now. Um, So, yeah, this is a reality show that I just explained on Netflix about putting hot people on an island and then telling them that they have a $100,000 prize pool and every time they kiss or a blowjob costs $6,000. I I know now what a blowjob costs, it's $6,000. Fingers in a beep because they did manage to beep that. Along with a bunch of other things cost them $12,000 at one point. A fuck is 20 grand. A kiss is three grand. This is what I learned yesterday. Oh, wait. Can you... Might have been Sunday. I think it was Sunday. A little bit more like what... The show is literally about pricing hookers? No, 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 no. They put really good looking people, or they say they're really good looking people, who are basically just, you know out fucking around they're fuck boys and girls right on an island and then they say oh this is like you know they i think they sold it to them like it was going to be bachelor in paradise where they could all hook up and have casual sex and free alcohol on some gorgeous island for a month and then they said and there's a prize package and then they said haha the prize package package is contingent on you forming real relationships by not kissing or fucking or having any sexual contact Why did they just and if you yeah, and if you do, oh, you can't have masturbate either. Nobody was allowed to masturbate. We, nobody did that, or then nobody got caught doing that because they didn't say what that would cost. And then every time somebody would do that, would do some of the infractions, then the prize pool would go down. 
it was down to like $45,000 at, at one point. Um, but then they gave one couple a chance, the couple that had lost the most money for everybody, they gave them a chance to make it back up if they could spend a night in the luxury suite without touching each other. And they did it. So they got money back. Yeah, this is what I did. I was Sunday, by the way, Sunday, not not Monday, Sunday. <laughs> yeah, everybody's talking about like uh, the circle. And yeah, watch that. Netflix remember show that everybody loves the other Two, one. Uh, Love, is, Love blind. is blind. Yeah, I watched both of those already. This sounds like my jam. It's so trashy sounding. It is. I, I might watch it. So trashy, and like they are, they are led by like an an Alexa, sorry for if I just set off your AI devices, everyone, um, or a Siri type device that's called Lana, probably specifically so it didn't set off everybody's devices. And she like tells them, well, somebody put their fingers in the beat and that costs this money. <laughs> and they have them all at like a tribunal. When they, yeah, This is what I did. I watched this and here's the sad part. I was invested. <laughs> no judgments. In invested this in these people. Space. We are in a total safe space here. I also um, watched uh, Bubble Boy. I've n- I'd never seen Bubble Boy, Jake Gillian Hall, or Ilian Houllier, and uh, <laughs> Marley Shelton. I just love that he said it with a straight face and actually. <laughs> You know, they said, how do you pronounce your name? And he said, well, my mom always told me it was Elian Houllier. And <laughs> with a straight face and that some people believe it. And I just, it makes me so happy. I would, I feel like their parents' sense of humor was very much my parents' senses of humor. I feel like, like Maggie and Jake and I would like get each other just from the way our parents raised us. So I have a connection to those, those kids. Anybody that can do Mr. Music, I would be friends with. Is this a good movie in any way, shape, or form? Yes. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) It's actually a surprisingly sweet movie. Swoozy Kurtz is in it. Uh, Danny Trejo. Um, It's, you know, it's not, it's much like, what was that thing with Brendan Fraser and uh, Alicia Silverstone where he's like in a bunker and and Christopher Walker and and Sissy Spacek. Much has that same sort of feel of isolated boy falls in love with with the girl and the parents try and kind of stop it. And, but it's a road trip movie. It was surprisingly touching. Um, you know, it had a few problematic things, but, uh, being 19 years old at this point where, Oh, that joke didn't really, shouldn't really have capped, you know, but no, it was a really sweet, funny movie and it's quarantine. So I cried. Was this a quarantine-themed watch? Were you like, what would be good in quarantine? The boy in the no, bunker. it was, a, it was a, me and a couple of friends going, what should we, you know, what should we watch? Quarantine watch. And them saying, oh, my God, this is a movie Fanny's never seen because I'm famous for having seen every movie that they want to watch. Um, and then because it was a 2001 theme and we decided we needed to watch another one, it was Josie and the Pussycats. This is my household. I want to make it clear that this was within shelter in place. This is my household watching. Okay. Um, I did not violate shelter in place rules. Just don't at me. Okay. (laughs) So, uh, Josie and the Pussycats is one of my favorite movies was one of Parker's favorite movies as a small child and is one of my good friend's favorite movies. So we put it on and it turns out that she knows every single word to uh, the movie 
more than I do. And I was so impressed. And uh, I had forgotten the line, du jour means crash positions, which <laughs> have you seen Josie and the Pussycats? I never have. And I feel like I have to watch it. And also, oh my God. I've been the last week because it's Adam Schlesinger wrote some of the Yes. Yes. And it is, it's so funny and it's so good. And the music is actually good. Um, So it was fun to watch again. And and I realized that uh, my, that my dog is either uh, your really irritating friend that posts inspirational word art, or she's Melody from Josie and the Pussycats. And anybody who's seen Josie and the Pussycats knows that that just is actually a compliment. If you haven't, Justin, you should go watch Josie and the Pussycats. I think I might. It's excellent. Yeah. And... I actually asked Dave, let's watch it. It's so fun. Parker Posey, Alan Cumming, it's funny, it's satire, it knows what it's doing. It's really, really good. Nice. Um... Let's see. And then I, uh, Parker and I watched, you know, me in a heist film. We watched American Animals last night. This is Evan Peters and Blake Jenner, who was married to Supergirl, but isn't anymore and was on uh, Glee. He he won the Glee project and he was like the uh, new star on that show. And why can't I think of his name? Oh, Barry Kehoe from Killing of a Sacred Deer, the strangely blank-faced guy oh, who's so good. Okay. And and out. And it's about a bunch of kids who try and steal a super expensive book, a Transfo- Transylvanian... Uh, it's owned by Transylvanian uh, College, uh, but it was in a Pennsylvania. And uh, basically a bunch of just losers who've never tried to do a heist try to steal a book, a very expensive book, but it's told through both interviews with the actual people and then not reenactments because it's, that's the way the script goes. It was interesting. Uh, I'd heard very good reviews of it. It was well acted. I mean, all uh, Evan Peters and Barry Kehoe are play the two, basically the two lead guys and, and Dowd is the librarian and they are both good. What's that? What's his on? Uh, I think you can find it on Prime and I also believe on Hulu. Uh, I, I, we watched it through Prime. Maybe it's on HBO, like one of the channels. Um, we used the Just Watch app and then pressed, you know, go to it and watch it. Um, it's It got a lot of buzz. Movie Pass were one of the big producers of it, so they pushed it for a while. It got a ton of buzz. It's interesting, but it's not great. Um, it was a fun sit on your couch and you don't have to pay too much attention to it movie i i can't not recommend it but i wouldn't go out of your way and now what you do in pop culture so the big pop culture topic uh among a certain music geekery uh world was the new fiona apple album it is called fetch the bolt cutters um fiona apple has not made a ton of albums in the last 15 years. I think she's made like two albums. She's the ultimate like uh, quarantine artist. Um, She kind of takes her time with things, records things uh, on her own, you know, bangs on the walls, tells hilarious stories about Quentin Tarantino and Paul Thomas Anderson doing cocaine and how that's a surefire recipe to never do drugs again. Uh, This new album I've I've always liked her. I thought she was interesting. This new album is kind of 
insanely special. It's a classic. It's a masterpiece. I don't use those words that often. Uh, Music-wise, this is... I don't know. It's... If you've liked her before, do you know her at all? Like, what are your feelings on Fiona Apple? I got no feelings on Fiona Apple. So, Except you- that Blueberry Girl, which is one of the best uh, children's books ever written by Neil Gaiman, was uh, dedicated to her daughter because he is oh. her um, godfather. Nice. I think when That's she, all I know. <laughs> when she started, she was definitely cast into the, like, sexy ingenue role. And she made a lot of... She was really young. She was, like, 19 when that first album came out. And she made a lot of, like, weird choices that were probably foisted upon her. Um, She's really, like, Tom Waits-level, like, Joni Mitchell, Ricky Lee Jones, The Roaches. There's so much great 70s music. And this album feels very unfettered, where it just feels like... She's like, I have enough money and enough clout that I'm going to do whatever the fuck I want. And she, not only is the music just amazing and percussive and raw, but it's also the lyrics are just very sort of unapologetically feminist in a way that we'll talk about Miss America later. Uh, this album is a great just sort of listen in these times. I want to play a little bit of a song called Under the Table. I told you I didn't want to go to this dinner You know I don't go for those ones that you bother about So when they say something that makes me start to simmer That fancy wine won't put this fire out Oh, kick me under the table all you want I won't shut up, I won't shut up Kick me under the table all you want I won't shut up, I won't shut up I'd like to buy you a pair of pillows, old hiking boots To help you with your climb Or rather to help the bodies that you step over along your room So they won't hurt like mine Kick me under the table all you want I won't shut up, I won't shut up Kick me under the table all you want I won't shut up, I won't shut up That's uh, Fiona Apple, um, Kick Me Under the Table, with a great line. And Kick Me Under the Table, I Won't Shut Up. It's a, such a good line. Nice. Um, it's really it's inspiring. I, I've, not, I've really not been this jazzed about an album and an artist kind of fulfilling their potential of just, like, everything you had is here. I, this album is exciting. It's percussive. It's wonderful. I really think you'd love it. <laughs> like, I actually want you to listen to this album. Um, it's it's pretty special. I want your mom to hear this album. Sorry, Claudia Bate. Um, yeah, but it's, nobody's shocked by that. I it's so good. I just I, I can't stop thinking about this album. I'm playing it like every day. It's pretty amazing. Um, all right, so I'm also watching Tales from the Loop, uh, the Amazon Prime series I talked about a few weeks ago. Uh, Finney has not watched it yet. Uh, I kind of want to talk about it together, but I'm also like, don't want to force it on anybody because it is a very particular kind of sci fi. I will say, and this is a spoiler for our devs conversation, it is the anti devs in which it is character first and and sort of like storytelling first um have you watched any of it nope okay 
I really want you to at least watch. There's an episode. This is an anthology series, so it's not like a spoilery kind of thing. I really would okay. love you to watch the second to last episode. There are like eight episodes. So the seventh one that's about a gay, uh, black sort of um, character who's sort of peripheral and about his struggles with being queer and a person of color and sort of on the sidelines of the story. And it really does this in a really smart, uh, interesting way. I love the show. I mean, it's to me, we'll talk about devs. This is the sci-fi series of the year. I think it's amazing. Uh, Ty West, who did house of the devil and a few other things directs a really scary, fun, but not gory episode. That's like a horror show robot thing. Jodie Foster directs the final episode. Uh, it's amazing. Um, this show's because she's amazing. This this show is fantastic. It's so slow and thoughtful, and I get that it's not everybody's like cup of tea. It's very slow and cerebral, and like an indie film. It's my favorite sci-fi of the year. It's definitely going to end up in my top ten. I love this show so much. It's um, has a little of the Spielbergy. Okay, so I talked about amazing stories um, a few weeks ago and how disappointing that was. We also talked about Twilight Zone, how disappointing that was. This is the true promise of that. Like, how do you look at sci-fi from a lens of character and what people are thinking and what their frustrations are and how something magic or fantastic would help them and how it would also fall short. And this show is so good at this. It's, I love it so much. I think it's amazing. I can't wait for, I think there's a rumors of a second season, but it probably depends on ratings. Um, Again, it's slow. It's not for everybody. Watch the first couple episodes, and if you're not hooked by episode two, then it's probably not for you. Um, And that's fine. I also have been watching season four of Insecure, uh, Issa Rae's uh, show about, um, you know, a crazy nerdy, I I just put quotes around it, nerdy black girl in L.A. who's, like, smoking hot. (laughs) Not really that nerdy. The one part of the show that always drives me crazy. Um, But I still like this show. It is Sex in the City for like, I'm not even going to say quirky for like interesting black women in LA. It's just like the fact that something that's interesting about this show is that she has to sort of like market it is like, I'm quirky and nerdy. And you're like, you're just a hot, beautiful black woman in LA. (laughs) And I, and I think maybe that's sometimes the reaction against the show, but I think it's, so well-performed. I love her. I think she's a brilliant comedian. Um, I like her friend who plays Molly. I forget her name, but that relationship to me is the core of the show. I don't really care about, you know, the hot guys that are on the periphery of the show, who they're dating. It's really about these women and their, their characters. I wish it really focus on that more. Sometimes it gets a little like, I don't need to see the scene of the guy in the the show. It's not that interesting. Focus on the women. Um, But it's stayed interesting. And I think especially this season, it's really focusing on how do you be like a community activist? How do you focus on kind of, you know, as a person of color in your neighborhood, how do you focus on, what are the things that are important for my neighborhood and the frustrations with that when you're working in a world that's very focused on, you know, your fucking contact list and your PR sort of outreach. And it's like, no, if you're an actual community activist who wants to make change in community, how do you do that? So 
I appreciate it. Um, finally, there's no more Nailed It episodes, you guys. I'm done. I've watched all four seasons. I'm very sad. I've watched Jacques Torres, uh, you know, lose weight. I've watched Nicole Byer wear a series of fantastic outfits. I've watched... I am irritating. I am irritating. I love her so much. Many amateur (laughs) bakers try to make faces and parrots and volcanoes. Trump heads. Trump heads. This is a real journey, everybody. And I'm sorry that I'm out of episodes. I wish it would go on forever. Nicole Byer (laughs) laughing at failure is, for me... Uh, life. It just is like, I don't know. It makes me want to continue living. So it's my Patronus. <laughs> it is I, absolutely. So, but it's, I'm, I'm out of episodes. So let's all make it to new episodes and nailed it. That is my, uh, COVID plea. Um, all right. Let's talk about Death Finale, which we both watched. Okay. It ended. We talk- it ended. We, we did the outline on what this was basically about a few episodes back. So go check that out if you want the, you know, the outline of who did what and where and when and why. Other than that, we're just going to assume you know enough and move forward. Full spoilers so, for all this. Yep. Yep. So this is a show for nerds who love devs. Like, don't, if you want to yeah. finish it, skip skip ahead and listen later. But we'll, yeah. we're going to go full spoilers. And, and know that if you watch it and you come back here expecting us to, like, wax philosophical about how much we love it, <laughs> I'm not your girl. So, <laughs> <laughs> just saying. So what did you think of the devs series as a whole? Oh, God. I lost faith in this show roundabout, I think, episode three or four, I said, I'm pretty sure this show is crawling up its own butt. And I have not changed my opinion. In fact, I felt like it crawled up its own butt and then it died. And then it was resurrected, only its butt was a sim. And (laughs) I did not enjoy this show. I thought that it was a piece okay i used to when i when when i would go out on dates with 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 new prospective men i would ask them a question and it would be my own private idaho classic or worthless piece of trash you can only pick one if they said classic they were shown the fucking door okay this is how i feel about devs it you is one my of, own private idaho wait a minute oh with about? a passion of a thousand sons it was the biggest crawled up at same problem this is gonna be a rewatch (laughs) somebody thought that they yeah do rewatch it because i'm not because i still stand by my decision and i have rewatched it and also it's the reason river phoenix is dead i don't like gus van zandt either okay moving on (laughs) devs has that same quality of if you don't come along with us, you're just dumbness that pisses me off. And I didn't like it. And I didn't, I got it. I understood what it was saying. I just fucking didn't care. I was tired of the music. I am tired of foghorns as mood setting. <laughs> I am over it. The lead actor was terrible. I did not like her at all. Didn't like it. Didn't like it. Did not like it. What'd you think, Justin? Okay. Here's my thing, and I am totally So if we went you. on a date and I said devs, classic or worthless piece of trash, and you only get to check one, I would send you home to your husband, huh? I know, no, I would be right <laughs> in the middle. You can't be, that's not the okay. choice. I, it's my choice, always. Um, I like 
Alex Garland, the director and showrunner who did whatever Ex Machina and Annihilation. I love the texture. I yep. love what he's interested in. It does. Yep. He's super talented and yep. it feels like unlike anything we've seen on most TV. I don't but, disagree with any of those points. But the more I see of his work, including Annihilation and this, the more I think a he he's maybe this is interesting and maybe this is offensive. I think he's interested in people on the spectrum in the tech industry. That is his main point. And it's sort of interesting that he's exposing it, but I think maybe he's close to the subject. <laughs> like there's a a certain um there's a certain complete uh, non-human reaction to how the characters work around him, especially the women that he doesn't understand. I think this show is maybe actually a little anti-feminist. And you think America? What was what was your first <laughs> tip? Was it Annihilation? Was Annihilation your first tip? Now I loved Annihilation. I, I did. Read me, but. I- and I do like Alex Garland. I, I'm just saying that you are correct in your statements here. Yes. Something interesting and yet something like, oh my God, like you need to get some medication. Like there's something kind of, I don't know. Talk to an actual woman at some point. Ask her her opinion. So the thing that really bugged me about the show was, I mean, a, a few things did throughout it, but basically when I read this interview about this uh, kid that the cast, well, I don't know if she's a kid, but the kid that the cast for this boy part, and he was very like, I'm post-gender, like it's not what the show's about. I'm misquoting him, but there's an article where he basically said, I just found the best actor that I could find to do this role. And it's like, but this, there was something in your head where you cast an androgynous kid and an androgynous kid that was assigned female at birth, by the way. And also, the actor, you cast an androgynous kid as yeah. androgynous person as Lily. There's something that interests you yeah. in androgyny, and you, and yet you don't have any. You're not willing to explore it. it. You're pretending yeah. like you're past it, and it obviously is interesting to you, and so have the guts to explore it. Don't yeah. just throw it out there and then pretend like, oh, la la, no, 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 we're not going to talk about it. Yeah. Because that could have been way more interesting if that London character or Linden character had been explored. That would have been fascinating. Instead, it was like, you almost felt bad for wondering. Like, I mean, oh, am I? Also I felt super fucking terrible for Linda. Yes. Like, yes. Like, and for the actor, because yeah. it was, you know, it's like it, there's something that he was trying to say, but he was unwilling to actually grasp it and yeah. say it. And that was frustrating as hell. And it, and then pointed at you in a sort of an accusatory and, well, what do you really care way if you looked at it and said, um, you did something here. Did you mean to? You know? Yeah, 100%. And also, the ending of the show, spoilers for devs, is that Lily, the sort of, like, you know, hard, like, line in the trenches worker for this shitty company, has had her first boyfriend and her second boyfriend murdered, and is somehow expected to believe that this, like, digital virtual heaven is fine. And it's like, no, you were taken out of whatever real world you knew with yeah, two you're supposed people to... you loved. 
<laughs> You're supposed to believe that that she was Charlie from Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, and she was suddenly given everything she ever wanted. She won the Chocolate Chocolate yeah. Factory instead of you fucked her entire life, you killed her, and then you stuck her in a, a simulation where everybody the that she ever loved she isn't a real people, aren't real yeah. people, and they're dead. Yeah, it, this is not. You know, that's I like, think, oh, I if I got to go play in Sims, it would be great. I think the show wants us to be on the side of Nick Offerman's character. Yes. And it is like 100% not okay. So, yes. Yeah. Agreed. So that's my my baseline with devs is like, I think Oof. it reveals a very interesting um, mind and artist who's thinking about really interesting things. Like yes. there's something so compelling about what he does, and especially like the textures and like what he's doing with with narrative, well, not even narrative, with about sort of exploring, honestly, exploring uh, Spectrum sort of mindset. Yeah. That I'm starting to understand more and more, but it's like, I don't know. It's just, I don't know. Maybe it's good. Maybe it's raw art. I don't know. I'm very conflicted. I mean, I sort of was super compelled to keep watching, so... Um, Anyways, this is a great counterpoint to our main topic, Mrs. America. <laughs> They're so yeah, actually, and yet strangely, so, yeah. Yep. Um, what do we want to say about Mrs. America? Should I? I'll read the thing. Yes, you, you read the uh, thing about uh, the Equal Rights Amendment, which, as I just learned from Fanny, was never fucking passed. BT Dubs. Uh, that is crazy. I did not know that. Uh, it is created by Debbie Waller, Weller, a long-running TV writer who's worked on things like Mad Men and also uh, American Housewives. Desperate Housewives. Desperate Housewives. What's American Housewives? Is that a I have no idea. You made no. that shit up. I totally made that shit up. <laughs> uh, starring the likes of Kate Blanchett as uh, super anti-feminist Crazy Pants, Phyllis Schlafly, Rose Byrne as Gloria Steinem with a lot of uh, glasses to accessorize herself, uh, Uza Aduba from Mornings the New Black as Shirley Chisholm, and Tracy Ullman as Betty Friedan. Friedan? Wow, all the names on this are... Friedan. Friedan. Uh, what did you think of Mrs. America? There's only been three episodes. This is on Hulu slash FX. What'd you like? I really didn't like the first episode. I found it to be incredibly bland. And even though it was full of people that I just love, John Slattery and Sarah Paulson and Kate Blanchett, of course, that goes without saying. Um, but I just found it to be like almost interminable. And, uh, I think that was probably because it, the content was so offensive to me and I couldn't find anything to like, kind of like hook into anybody to give a shit about. Instead, I just wanted to turn it off and stop listening to these people that actually had stopped the ERA from being ratified. There is not a constitutional amendment. Now to be fair, Virginia, I think this year, finally became the 38th uh, state to ratify the ERA, but um, now it goes to the courts and they're trying, they're stopping it. That's so um, yeah, it's nuts. But, um, but that was just this year anyway, that stopped this from happening and, and what could have been and all, you know, pro-life stuff. So I did not, I couldn't hook in. And then the second and third episode, uh, probably particularly the third episode when Nisi Nash and um, Uzo Aduba 
show up. And yeah, you got a text from me that just said, Macy. I didn't get it until I started watching it. Yeah. I was like, yeah. that's always my reaction. The second Macy Nash is on my television screen, I just scream. I just scream happily because Macy Nash is my Patronus. She's the best <laughs> ever. She's so great. Yeah. Um, and Tracy Ullman is great. I once it started to be more about the two factions building against each other, I became much more interested and much more angry in a good way. In a you know, I am hooked in, and uh, what they're saying so is so relevant still to what what we're fighting today um, that. I changed my tune and I really enjoyed the second and third episodes and feel like they are doing something kind of interesting. And what'd you think? Hey, I don't. Okay. So this show makes me want to go read about all of these women that fought for something crazy important that I know fucking nothing about. And this is me fully owning up for my shortcomings as a dumbass guy, but like, I don't know. I know Gloria Steinem a little bit. I know, uh, you know, Bill Abzug a little bit, but I don't know a ton of these characters. Shirley Chisholm, like, I heard about, I had to go look her up. I was like, I don't even know who that is. Wow. So this is my. You grew up not terribly far from me. And wow, I'm shocked. No. Very surprised by that. No, I fully own that the show is making me confront what I don't know about like the fight for women's equality and and that's what i think is interesting and i'm glad that they're doing it and i hope more people watch it and say what what is this who are these people totally as art i feel a little distracted by the fresca ads and the hair and the you know whatever and look it's the 70s yeah and also (laughs) a lot of confusing plot points like there's an there's a moment in the uh third episode with Shirley Chisholm where there's some betrayal on the nominating floor. It's not well explained. It's very like confusing. No, it's not. Um, And it made me be like, I want to go read a book or watch a documentary about this. And suddenly I thought like, ah, man. And I knew a little bit about that. So it didn't trip me up as much because I knew a little bit about that, that suddenly McGovern pulled he wasn't gonna he was gonna support the the women voting in the the pro pro-choice reproductive rights stuff and then panicked and pulled them when he realized that they were gonna have enough i knew a little bit about it uh from i don't know history class in berkeley i don't know how i did but it didn't trip me up but they didn't make it super clear what was going on but it makes me want to learn more so yeah white guy like now that doesn't know enough about this and didn't even know it hasn't been fucking ratified like there's more for me to learn so yep there's a part of me that this is critic proof in a way of like i think i would have rather watched documentary because that's just the way my brain works yeah i think it's great art but it's also a story that has not like impacted men in this country in a way that it needs to so and i think it's a great time to be telling it when you know i mean there are history repeats herself and there are so many shades of what we just saw happen in our own electoral process and um you know and the the behind this you know the status quo becomes so much more important than 
changing anything and that specifically the, the Democratic National Com- uh, uh, Conference scenes where, you know, they were trying to get some power in the hands of a woman candidate. And I, you know, yeah, maybe it's not the most interesting or compelling piece of like storytelling, but I think everybody is doing, I think uh, Uzo Aduba is doing a great job and uh, I will definitely keep watching. Tracy Ullman is fantastic. Uh, Elizabeth Banks needs her hat tipped there. Oh, and I always love Melanie Linsky uh, who is plays uh, she's, she and Sarah Paulson play two feuding. They want the power on uh, Kate Lanchett's team and they're very, both very great. Um, I just, I, I like the idea that it's trying to tell this story again and that it's giving some traction to it that I, I, I support that. And it's, it's not the best thing I've ever seen, but I certainly liked it a lot more in the third and, uh, in the second and third episode. I thought it was so interesting in that third episode about Shirley Chisholm, who, again, I bet if you interviewed 10 men in America near you would not know what her story was. And I'm kind of in that, I'm implicating myself in that. But it's like the fact that she was so like, oh, I am the ultimate person that this movement is supposed to be protecting. Um, Yep. And and yet that movement failed her, and then she was kind of like, "Well, these women, these white women, are not protecting me, but the black community will protect me." And then it's sort of like, "Oh no, like I'm truly on my own. I'm a black woman. Like that's right. the thing that's resonated most to me in this entire series is like getting how that is the hardest position, and the fact that she was fucking running in that year." And, and getting as far as she did. 72, and, yep. Um, although, okay, yeah. So that's amazing. Now here's my one dumb, like, stupid pop music quibble. Oh, God. And I'm ready for these people. Why is the weird Saturday Night Fever Beethoven's Fifth soundtrack the opening to the show? I don't get it. It was like 1979. Is there an earlier version of this? I don't get it. What's happening? The opening music. Really disturbing. Okay. <laughs> They're bigger. It's not playing in the background of a scene. It's the opening credits. Okay, yeah, but scene. it's the credits. That's not like it's playing like, you know, I'm, I get quibbles where, you know, the people in that car is the 1960. No, I don't do yeah. car breeds, so it never bothers me. But but there are things that I get picky about as well, so I get it. But it's not playing in an actual scene. But it's the it credits. What does it mean? What does it I mean? don't know. I, I don't know. You're the music guy. You tell me what it means. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Fucking I'm very no. curious. Uh, write us. Where can they write us and tell us about it? <laughs> you can tell us at emotionandnext at gmail.com. You can tweet me at uh, Fanny V. Darling or the podcast at the next podcast. Justin's boycotting Twitter until Twitter the world doesn't end. <laughs> exactly. I might be done with Twitter, period. But You can search us on Facebook. Uh, just search for the next podcast and tell us uh, what the music means because uh, the curtains are blue. I don't freaking care about music. <laughs> I mean, I do, but you know, I can't. I'm not smart like that. <laughs> See you next week. Bye.